I want you to hit me as hard as you can. In today's world, it's not uncommon for movie theaters to have the majority of their screens dedicated to the latest comic book film. Their lobbies displaying posters and cardboard standees for the onslaught of comic book movies yet to come. Back in the year 1999, however, there was but one film based on an existing comic book that saw a theatrical release, and the film's entire worldwide gross would be less than the latest Spider-Man movie would make in half of a day during its opening week. So how is it that a film meant to parody a genre that had been seeing diminishing returns turn into a parody in and of itself? Sit back, grab a fork, or a shovel, as we discuss just what the f happened to this movie. Mystery Men was first unleashed onto the world in 1987 in the pages of the Dark Horse Flaming Carrot Comics created by Bob Burden. About a decade later in 1997, Dark Horse publisher Mike Richardson would pitch the Mystery Men concept to producers Larry Gordon and Lloyd Levin at Universal Studios, who immediately took to the relatability of these not-so-superheroes. That would bring on writer Neil Cuthbert, who at the time had only two produced scripts under his belt, 89's The Return of Swamp Thing and the far more successful Halloween classic Hocus Pocus from 1993. After Cuthbert signed on, the producers found some pretty big names for the job of director. First up was Danny DeVito, who was fully on board to direct the film, as well as stars The Shoveler. But DeVito and the producers couldn't quite agree on who would produce the film's soundtrack, something DeVito felt quite strongly enough about to walk away from the film and his $13 million payday. Producers then went to Ben Stiller to direct. Stiller had not taken on a directing gig since the box office disaster of his previous film, The Cable Guy, and ultimately turned down the opportunity, citing that the size and scope of the film was just too big. With two strikes, producers turned to award-winning commercial director Kinka Osher, who had made a name for himself with the Taco Bell Chihuahua ads, as well as the Got, Got Milk? Milk ad campaign. Osher said that at that point in time, he had been fielding many offers to direct studio films, but turned down most of them because he felt that when commercial directors transitioned to film, the movies they're offered were generally heavy on visuals but light on plot. Thanks for watching Joe Blow Videos. If you enjoy our shows, please like and subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new videos go live. Now, back to the show. Usher admitted that when he first read the script for Mystery Men, he found it boring, but found the concept intriguing and the characters quite interesting. Janine Garofalo would be one of the first to be approached to star in the film. However, she originally turned down the offer, only to quickly return after William H. Macy and Jeffrey Rush were cast. Garofalo claimed she returned because those were two actors she had really wanted to work with. With Garofalo on board, she would help convince her longtime friend Ben Stiller to return to the project, this time only as an actor. Stiller had a gap in his schedule after departing the still-in-development monkey bone and decided to meet with the director to discuss a role in the film. At that time, the role in question was meant to be the Blue Raja character, which Stiller declined, saying he didn't want to be typecast as playing the nerdy guy after doing it so successfully in the just-released mega-hit There's Something About Mary. However, he was intrigued by the character of Mr. Furious, who in the original script was meant to be angry all the time. Stiller thought simply playing Rage the entire time might be boring, so he changed it up to where Mr. Furious simply has the least super power of any of the characters, comparing him to a guy who starts a band but can't play a single instrument. 
Although the film is an adaptation of an already established comic book, only three of the comic's original characters made the leap to the screen. Stiller's Mr. Furious, Macy's The Shoveler, and Paul Rubens' Spleen. Despite the film being adapted from the Flaming Carrot comics, studio heads felt that the character was a bit too bizarre to bring to the screen, so the character of Captain Amazing was created in his place. With the cast and crew officially set, filming began on October 21st, 1998. It became quickly apparent, however, that the director was in way over his head. Coming from the world of commercials, he wasn't prepared to deal with massive budgets, deadlines, and more importantly, egos. The script was constantly being rewritten and the cast didn't really get along, with each performer fighting to get the laugh in each scene and no one ever really agreeing on a true comedic tone for the movie. It got so bad that one day, Ben Stiller and Greg Kinnear got into a heated argument on set, resulting in Stiller asking producers to be completely released from the film. It was then apparent that Kinka Usher had lost control of his set. He was tasked with creating a movie that could parody the recent trend of splashy superhero films, such as the neon-soaked Joel Schumacher-directed Batman films. Of course, he wouldn't have to go very far to get that aesthetic as many of the sets on the film were the exact same ones used in Batman Forever. With everything in disarray behind the scenes, it's a surprise that anything worthwhile was approved. In fact, some of the best moments in the film were simply happy accidents, such as the time Paul Rubens was mid-scene and someone accidentally threw a lighter in a nearby trash can, causing a minor explosion directly behind the flatulent spleen. Rubens, being the genius performer that he is, quickly ad-libbed the excuse me and the scene made the final cut. The film would be littered with cameos such as comedian Dane Cook, Guillermo del Toro mainstay Doug Jones, and most random of all, director Michael Bay playing one of the frat guys at Casanova's party. After a lengthy and laborious six months, the shoot would finally wrap up in April 1999. When it came time to edit the film, it became fairly obvious that the disjointed shoot yielded an abundance of footage with no discernible focus. Whether it was the different tones each actor took with their character or little things like actor-musician Tom Waits using his hands as a way to remember his lines by actually writing the words on them, resulting in a very strange character trait of talking with his hands. But as with all films, while putting it together, certain elements had to go. And for actor Luis Guzman, it meant his entire role as a Mexican restaurant owner got 86th. Another casualty of the edit was Claire Forlani, who originally had a much bigger role in the film as Mr. Furious's love interest. The film would go into reshoots after the first test audience did not respond to the film's original ending, so the director went back and made what he dubbed the Big Cheer ending. Originally set for release on July 30, 1999, the studio decided to hold off a week to avoid opening against the Blair Witch Project, which had gained massive buzz after its debut at the Sundance Film Festival. Even though August 6, 1999 had already had a number of films slated for wide release, Universal felt Mystery Men could hold its own against the competition. And why not? Surely a comic book movie with a recognizable ensemble cast could slay a remake of a 30-year-old film and a little ghost movie from a director whose only previous credit was a Rosie O'Donnell film, right? Yet when weekend box office results arrived on August 8th, Mystery Men couldn't even crack the top five, finishing in sixth with just $10 million. The film finished behind the remake of The Thomas Crown Affair and the soon-to-be cultural phenomenon known as The Sixth Sense, as well as Holdover's Blair Witch Project, Runaway Bride, and Deep Blue Sea. Critics weren't much help either. 
saying the film had an intriguing premise and an excellent cast and that certain bits were quite funny, but they felt that the film's sluggish runtime of just over two hours meant that the jokes that landed were too few and far between, resulting in a bit of a jumbled mess. Those reviews combined with a C-plus cinema score and the fact that 1999 would see new hit films released nearly every week meant that Mystery Men had no chance to bounce back. Each week, the film lost nearly 50% of its box office until it petered out with an abysmal $33.4 million gross off of a $68 million budget. That quarter, Universal Studios' parent company Seagram had to post a $38 million quarterly loss blamed primarily on the failure of Mystery Men. Garofalo has said that the shoot had very long hours where very little was accomplished, and that it was a great script made into a fairly mediocre movie. She claimed that when she saw it, she had no idea what it was they were trying to do with the film. But whatever it was, it wasn't accomplished. Hank Azaria recalls that director Kinko Osher told him while they were filming that he had absolutely hated every second of the process, and that it was done, he was going back to commercials saying he would much rather make cool one-minute shorts than have to deal with all the nonsense that comes with the feature. True to his word, the director has not made a single film since then. Returning to the world of commercials, including the successful Scream one for Bridgestone Tires that aired during the 2011 Super Bowl. But it wasn't all horrible. Somebody the film's soundtrack featured a song that nearly a quarter of a century later is still stuck in all of our collective heads. Smash Mouth's All-Star became the true hit of the film, climbing the charts and ultimately reaching number four on the Billboard Hot 100. The video, directed by Charlie's Angel Helmer Mick G, featuring the cast of the movie, would be a staple on MTV and has amassed over 220 million views on YouTube. Even with a negative box office performance and critic takes, something has happened over the last 23 years. Mystery Man has garnered that ever-important cult status, with many calling the film ahead of its time. Countless articles have popped up over the years, hailing it as a misunderstood masterpiece that was perhaps released 10 to 20 years too early. When you look at some of today's forays into the genre, such as the Amazon original The Boys, it's hard not to see the influence of Mystery Men in them. And now, with the massive rise in superhero films at the box office, the world may need a band of misfits to come along again and skewer the sometimes self-serious genre. When asked in a recent interview about a potential sequel, Ben Stiller said he would be down to return, saying, quote, I'm all for it. I had fun doing it. Yeah, it would be a blast. It was a really, really fun cast. And there's still some rage and fury inside me somewhere, I think. So perhaps someday soon, the forks will be flung, the shovel will be wielded, the fury will be unleashed, and the farts will be lethal. We may see these mystery men reassemble when the world truly needs them the most.